All right. Good morning, everybody. Man, it's been been a minute since I've preached. It's not because Justin's not asked me. It's we've been. I don't know about you, but this been year, year been a little crazy for you. Anybody been? It's been a little crazy this year. And I will say though, it's when you when you preach and you have the opportunity to, to preach on a regular, or you just have a platform in general, you're, the urge to not allow the polarizing um, topics of the day, it's hard to fight those. You know, you want to just feel like you got to respond to all the stuff. But the one thing that keeps me on point is I have to, I remember it, God already responded to all this with the cross, you know, he's, he already has said what he, he's already responded what he thinks about life, what he thinks about the world, what he thought about sin, what he thinks about politics, and, and the, what I have found it, that it's going to be the most difficult thing for us as a church to do or I shouldn't say as a church, I should say as an individual. The one question that you're going to be challenged on more and more and more is, is Jesus enough? Is he enough? That, that's really the, that's the, if there's one thing I get challenged more than anything else, it's, it is, is Christ enough? Is his finished work enough for you? As a church, that to, to, to keep that as the message is, is probably going to be the greatest challenge for us as pure grace. Is grace enough? You know what I mean? Is what God gave us, how he responded, is that enough? I don't know about you, but that challenges me on a regular basis. Because, man, I, you get on social media. You ever get on social media and you say, why do I do this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why? You don't do that? Man, please come up here and tell us how. <laughs> you know, we'll give you the floor. But, yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of fought when iPhones and Facebook, I fought it for a while. I'm a, I guess what they call a Gen Xer because I can take social media or I can not take it. So, you know, I, I, I find myself on social media I generally like to go to Marketplace because I'm always searching for a good deal. You know what I mean? Are you one of those people? You know what I mean? You know, what are you looking for? A good deal. He's the same way. What are you trying to find? A good deal. But then, you know, but then you find yourself very quickly allowing all the, all the topics of what's going on in the world to constantly preach a message to you. And that message is saying, Jesus ain't enough. You know what I mean? This is not enough. This is not enough. But reality is he is enough. And I have found often in my own personal life, some of the greatest uh, motivational times has not necessarily been Jesus or God showing me something new as much as he is. He reminds me of something that I have forgotten about. Anybody ever noticed that before? And you get a, a recurring thought and a theme in your mind, in your heart, and then you run across a Bible verse, and, and, and it's like the Spirit of God. You're like, you know what? Paul has said right here exactly what I've been thinking. 
and you get reminded that you and the Spirit of God are one and that God's playing a song and he's playing a tune and it's beautiful music and it's right there for you to listen to. So, but I want to talk to you. It's, this is going to be a little bit more of a practical type of a lesson, but it's also going to be, I, I believe it'll be inspirational. I hope that uh, this will be able to help you. I'm going to talk to you. The title of this is called No Longer a Mystery. No Longer a Mystery, or should I say Unlocking the Old Covenant Meanings with the New Covenant, with the new covenant Truth. One thing I always appreciate about the, the, when we do the gospel or the, we do the grace conferences, and one thing I like about Paul and even Lynn Hiles, I, don't, I get real excited when, when, when we take the truths of the new covenant and you go back into the old covenant and you, you bring something to life in light of the new covenant. I, I mean, I love that. Uh, you know, when I, was, uh, when I was pastoring at Gospel Life, you know, we, I did a series on this, and I mean, there's just so much that you could get into, but there was one overlying uh, lesson in that that I think will help you tremendously as you get into and you study the Word of God. But if you got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 20. And let me pray real quick here before we get started. Father, we thank you so much for your spirit. And Father, only you know what is going on in the hearts, what headlines, what breaking news headlines are going on in the heart of your children. Lord, there's, there are those in my own heart. But Father, I pray that in spite of me, Lord, I pray that your word will be able to bring comfort. Lord, I pray that it'll bring revelation Lord, I pray that it'll bring healing. And if anything, Lord, we can leave here rejoicing because we know we've met together as your children to celebrate, as we sung about this morning, your faithfulness. It is your faithfulness, Lord, that is breaking news. It is your righteousness that is the headline. It is your love that passeth and your peace that passeth all understanding. Lord, how the world needs this and how we as believers should just echo and be champions and heralds and, Lord, even ambassadors of what your kingdom is doing in us each and every day. And, Lord, we thank you so much for your love and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 1.20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Have you ever read the Bible and ended your devotion with more questions than answers? Anybody ever had that happen before? Yeah. You know, when I, first, when I first started to understand grace, I just felt like at any moment I'm going to run, around, run across a verse that's going to undo everything. You know what I mean? But I haven't found that. You know what I mean? I found that there was a foundation that the Lord just keeps building and building and building. Have you ever been afraid someone was going to stump you with a Bible question that would challenge your faith? You ever been there before? Someone's going to, or you'd be afraid to get into a Bible discussion because 
they're going to go to the book of Hezekiah and draw something out and undo. But have you read the lost text yet? It's, it's the Bible part two. Have you ever wondered why some say the Bible is full of contradictions? And by the way, there's many, many people that want to discredit what the Bible says and what it's all about and what the message is. If the Bible, or the question is this, if the Bible is so clear about what it's trying to say, then why do we have so many different opinions on issues like salvation, for example? Is salvation, is it by works, or is it by faith, or is it by both? If we as, a, as, as the church in America was to try to rally everybody that would, that would wave the banner of Christianity... And we were to have these discussions, it is very obvious, very quick, we would not be unanimous on what we believe about these things. Are we not reading the Bible? Are we not all looking at it together? Are we not all meeting on Sunday? There's things, even the salvation, we're not completely on the same page with. Or, uh, or eternal security. Is it eternal? Can it be lost? Am I saved one minute, lost one minute? Or the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Or law and observing laws. Or even today a common theme is even Jewish customs. Incorporating Jewish customs into, into what we do as somehow being more Jewish and, and, and observing Jewish customs somehow is bringing God more, it, it, uh, God is more pleased with us with these things. Or better yet, and I find this a common theme right now, is the rapture. Is it pre? Is it mid? Is it post-tribulation? You know, when you look on Facebook right now, the common theme right now, the Christians, it seems like Christians days have abandoned the power of the gospel. They've went straight to, Jesus, please come back. Please. I can't deal with this any longer. If only your grace was sufficient, what would we do? Just come back. Why is that? Because Christians are tired we're war, they're wore out. They've been grinding time and time again, and now here's the moment of opposition, whether it be political, social. We all, we are, all our hopes is in the one basket. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going he's to take us out, and then he's going to set all you straight <laughs> about where you're wrong. I know we laugh, but the reality is that's pretty much sums it up. But let me say this, although the Bible can be 100% clear on a topic, we as people can, uh, cannot be 100% clear on the interpretation of that topic. Why? Because it's based on the lens in which we view it. Now, don't miss this. Why is there so much division right now? It's because the lens in which way people view this world. That's why. How is it on one side you have those that say America is a wonderful country? And the other, uh, the other side, it's not. How is it some can see hope and the others don't? Why is it? It's because is there dueling truths? No, there's lenses in which people view this world 
And it also comes down to how people view the lens in which we view Scripture, which ultimately makes us how we view God. This applies in all topics, politically, socially, you name it. The lens in which we see the world is our paradigm or our worldview. Our worldview has a predetermined filter that we apply everything we think about in situation we go through. If you think about right now how the Holy Spirit of God works in you individually, to me, some of the greatest times is not when you're met with victories, it's when defeats come. And how you can lose all hope in the moment and your feelings. But it's like the Spirit of God comes alongside you and says, now, hold on. Let's look at this collectively. Let's look at this through the lens of what Daddy says. And then very quickly, the Spirit of God can take these emotions you have and calm you down like the Father that He is. Why? Because He's reminding you of truths. You know what? You're right. You're right about that. I'm not going to lose all hope. Unless there is a shift in our worldview or our paradigm, there will not be any major breakthrough in interpretations, beliefs, and ultimately behaviors in your life. Because what you believe ultimately will determine your behavior. It's not behavior, then belief. It's belief, then behavior. And this is a very common theme we find in Scripture. Let me give you a good example, a good practical example of power of paradigm shift things. Does anybody, if it, has anybody been driving and you run across somebody that just runs up on your tail? I mean, he's tailgating you. Anybody ever had this happen? Now, when this happens, is your normal opinion of this person behind you usually negative or positive? Is that a trick question? Yep. You know how it is. It's usually Monday morning, and, you know, you're already embracing the day, and you're trying to get to where you're going to go, and boom, somebody's right behind you. And they're, 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 they're on your tail, and, man, next thing you know is your focus is on this individual. What's wrong with you? What do you You know what I mean? Now, let's imagine this person in a double line goes around you in a hurry and keeps going. Now, my mind, I just I have to think to myself, you know what I mean? They, there must be something going on. But let's take it a little bit further. Let's imagine you was to follow this person. Let's imagine you want to diagnose this person just being an inconsiderate, road-raging jerk, like we all would love to do. But let's imagine for a moment we followed them, and we followed them to the hospital, and then we found that they were not a row raging inconsiderate jerk, that it was a father on the way to the hospital to see a child that was maybe rushed to the emergency room. Now, what happened? You saw the situation clearly. And through that, your paradigm, your worldview has changed what you thought because if you're a father or you're a mother, you can very easily empathize with the fact of how you would feel if it was your loved one inside the hospital and how quickly you wanted to run by their side. That's the power of paradigm. That's the power of worldview. And that's the power of what God is trying to do within us to be able to see this world correctly. Correctly. 
These same principles apply to our relationship with God and His Word. Many have trusted Christ, and very quickly we allowed the church, a mentor, a pastor, a common teacher, to give us our lens and interpret Scripture instead of trusting the Spirit of God in His direction personally in your life. And honestly, this is what I believe, and this is my opinion. Right now, the mass exodus of young people from the church, I personally believe, is because of this very reason. It's because we filled, we filled young people with Bible knowledge, but we never gave them the opportunity to allow the Spirit of God to make it real to them. Yes, they can quote Scripture, but has God of the Bible become real to them? Has He become very personal? Or let me ask you this, have you personally ever had a nagging Bible question? I mean, just a, a you know, a, an itch, you just, you know, you had to scratch, you couldn't ever finally, get, you couldn't get the answer to for a while. You ever had that happen? You, may be, you probably have some of those now. But I did for a while. I had these, just these nagging in the back of my mind, these nagging questions I had looming until the Spirit of God gave me those answers. Do you realize that only the Spirit of God can do that for you? Brother Justin can't. I can't do that. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I'll give you one example. I remember... For a long time, I never could quite understand why if Jesus, why if Jesus took care of our sin, why would it be necessary for me to continually confess my sins in order to get forgiveness? I had this question for years. I never brought it up. Why? Because it challenged the status quo of where I was at, the denomination I was in. I just kind of went with the flow. And then one day, the Spirit of God answered that question for me. And see, the beauty is when you get those times and those moments, I tell you what, turn to James. I'll read to you a Bible verse. We'll read a verse in James. James chapter 1. I love what James says in verse one, James chapter, chapter 1 and verse 17 and 18. He says, Every good gift and every perfect gift come down from the Father, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be kind and firstfruits of his creation. Now what is God saying here? Here's the deal. When the Spirit of God answers those questions for you, no man can take that from you. No political agenda can change that. No denominational tie can change that. It becomes yours. Why? Because Daddy gave it to you. You don't even know where the question came from. All you know is I had this question and the Spirit of God answered it for me. Because ev truth, by the way, is a person. It is Jesus Christ. And truth, by the way, is a gift that we so generously receive from the Father. 
Why do we have so much confusion? Because there is a huge lack of truth. And then also there is an adversary that likes to skew what truth really is, making it personal. Now let me go on here. According to Scripture, we find that with the introduction of the new covenant came a key to unlocking mysteries and interpreting the shadows of the Old Testament. Salvation is meant to be a paradigm shift, and the Bible says we have the mind of Christ and the ability to interpret correctly. And the key to understanding the interpretation of the Old Testament is through the new covenant lens. If there's one thing that I would say completely transformed my Bible reading and understanding Scripture, it was the power of going to the new covenant to understanding the old covenant. Absolutely transformed. So number one is this. The new covenant gives the whole Bible context, number one. Now think about this. We hear about context a lot, don't we? I mean, every Sunday, I'm sure somebody's going to talk about, well, brother, you just can't take the Bible out of what? So you can say it. What is it? Context. You hear context is what? Context is key, right? Well, I mean, you just can't pick and choose which Bible verses you want and take them out of what? Context. You ever heard that before? Usually it's when you're having a discussion with somebody and they, they say something, and then you say something back, and then usually it's easy to say, well, you're just taking that out of what? Context, right? Or basically what you're saying doesn't jive with how I feel about this topic or this subject. But let me, let me take it a step further. Do you understand that the Bible as a whole has a context? The whole Bible has a context, the whole Bible. Now, let me go on here. Although context is argued often in regard to interpreting certain verses, Jesus did come, to, to Jesus, uh, uh, did come just to give context on certain verses. He came to bring context to the entire Bible. Jesus is the context. He is the context of Scripture. He didn't come in the New Covenant. And then say a few, just to shed a few, uh, uh, give a few Bible verses, some context. No, he is the very context of scriptures. There are certain things in the Old Testament we would not know unless the New Testament gave us the truth about it. For example, Genesis 3. We find that Eve is in the garden and that she is beguiled by what? Anybody remember? She was deceived by the what? The serpent. Now, was there any mention at all about that serpent being the devil? No, it just could have been a, just a really bad snake. How do we know that that serpent was the devil? If we read the rest of the Old Covenant and we stopped at Matthew, would we have any shedding light about who the serpent was? No, where will we have to go? Revelations. Go there real quick. Revelations chapter 20 and verse 2. In the rest of the sermon, we're going to talk about the end times. No, I'm just kidding. 
You know, if we put a banner out front, man, we felt packed this self, you know, the keys to understanding the end times. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Bring them all in here and preach grace and Jesus. Wait a minute. <laughs> what is this? Sounds like you're trying to give us hope. <laughs> Don't you understand we're tired? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. It's sad you got to go to Revelations to try to find rest. You don't have to go to heaven to get rest. You can get rest right now. Isn't that crazy? Revelations chapter 20. I digress, right, Brother Justin? Revelations chapter 20, verse 2, it says, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old what? Serpent, which is who? The devil. And in case you missed that, he says, and who? Satan. Who is that old serpent? That old serpent, old serpent in Genesis chapter 3 that came in and beguiled Eve and told Eve, you are not complete. You are not whole. You are lacking. You need something else. That's who it was. Why is that? Because the new covenant sheds light and gives us interpretation of the old. We also find that Christ is represented in the Old Testament in many ways. For example, if we're in Genesis, we find that the serpent was the devil, but we also find who that tree of life is, which is Jesus Christ himself. John chapter 15, I am the what? Vine and you are the branches. That he is the very essence, he is the tree of life. Also, let me, let me go to number two here. Number two is this, what was, a, what was a mystery is no longer a mystery. What was once a mystery is no longer to a, mystery, a mystery to us now. There are certain things that we are told to worry about today that, the old covenant, uh, that were old covenant worries. Like, for example, eternal security. Eternal security was an old covenant concern. But we find now it is no longer a concern to us. Why? Because Jesus Christ took care of that. Or better yet, more prominent is the will of God. Oh, my word. The will of God. Man, I can tell you, much of my anxieties and my Christian experience has been on this topic of the will of God. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. By the way, we're going, to teach through a, we're going to teach through the book of Ephesians. Brother Justin, myself, and Buddy. Brother Buddy, right? Is that what's official when you say brother? You know what I mean? So, brother Buddy. But you'll see some of this stuff come up again. But Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his what? His will. The mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in, in one all things in who? Christ. Both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. 
I spent so much worry and fear about keeping, doing, staying, and also trying to find the will of God. Notice what Paul says in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Go there real quick. I'm going to make you work for it here this morning here. Go to these verses. Philippians chapter 2, I love what Paul says. He says, For it is God which worketh in you both, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He does them both. He works in you. What is he saying here? He's saying that you may not believe this or not, but you truly desire the very things that God desires. You say, oh, come on now. You just don't know me. Look, I, I, I may not know you, and guess what? I don't have to know you because I'm not even in this equation. But one day, the Spirit of God is going to convince you that you truly desire, I mean, you really want the very things that God wants. Why? Because he's working in you the will. And by the way, he doesn't just stop there. He says, and also the do. He gives you the ability to do them very things. Two purposes. It's not I'm out here searching like Dora the Explorer. You know what I mean? Trying to find the map. So, oh, here's his will. Look, I found it. Now what? Well, go step one, 30 paces this way, and then they go, go this way. And, uh, and I don't know why Door of the Explorer is in my mind, but I guess <laughs> if I was to ever determine myself as an explorer, she would be the standard, I guess, in my mind. <laughs> I could have said Indiana Jones, but I have children, you know what I mean? <laughs> go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. God works in us two things, the will to do and the ability to do it. When I saw this, revolutionized how I viewed the will of God. Gives me that very desire. Why was that so conflicting? I guess as a side note here, because for so long, I was always taught that I'm the enemy and God's trying to conquer me. That I truly don't want to do the will of God. But God is going to force himself on me and bend his will and get me. Anybody ever heard this before? Jonah, you know what I mean? I ain't going to Nineveh. I'm going to go this way. God's going to send the whale and he's going to get you. God's going to get you. He's going to, he, he's going to conquer you. He's going, to, he's going to show you a thing or two. You go ahead and try to run, brother. But I'm going to tell you what, God's got a whale waiting for you. That's what I was always taught. But then Paul says, what do you, you know, look, God's working in you the will. You, you desire the things of the Father. You realize that, don't you? No. It took me a while to believe that. Then I realized, you know what? When I find true fulfillment was when I'm loving and investing in other people. I try and find true fulfillment when I'm meditating on true north principles and things that the Spirit of God is working in me. That's where I find it. Not just trying to make a living, but living from Christ himself. Colossians 1 says in verse 25, Wherefore I am made minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God 
even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now was made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ where? In you. Man, we could do a whole nother series on this, but the mystery was Christ not around you. It's Christ where? He's in you. The hope of glory. The mystery of Christ in us has been revealed. Now, it's, it's, it's encouraging to understand that for hundreds and thousands of years, this was a mystery. And yet we can come together and celebrate that we understand this truth. I mean, this right here is breaking news. This is the headline. You look, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hey, why can you make it this week? Because Christ is in you. Why or where can you gain the strength from? Because Christ is in you. Uh, why can you make it? Because Christ lives in you. He's a part of who you are. Romans chapter 16. You don't have to turn it out, read it. Verse 25 and 26, he says, Now to him that is the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of his faith. Made manifest to all nations. And lastly, number three is this. The Old Testament was a shadow of things to come. It was a shadow. Hebrews 8.5 says, For it says, Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things? And Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he that thou make all things according to the pattern shown to thee in the mount. As Moses was building an earthly tabernacle based on a heavenly outline or pattern, he was foretelling what God was going to do in us by making us an earthly tabernacle. Now, I know that's a lot of thou's and those and these. I can't help it, I think, in, in King James. But let me, let me just say this. If there's anything you're going to get from the significance of that, is that you are a tabernacle. And in a tabernacle houses the very presence of who? God. In the Old Testament, as Moses had the pattern, he was building this earthly tabernacle then, it was a picture of what the Spirit of God and what God was going to do inside you. And guess what? If God is going to be in a tabernacle, that tabernacle has to be holy. That tabernacle has to be righteous. That tabernacle has to be clean. And by the way, you are. That's who you are. The very house, the presence of God. Well, I don't feel like I could house the presence of God. Hey, it don't matter how you feel about the situation. Thank God. Because if you did say you felt. Now, I will say there are times, usually, you know, you, 
you know, you read your Bible. I used to, when, when a lot of my motivation for doing things for God, whether it be soul winning and Bible reading, it was in essence me trying to feel worthy by reading the Bible, by handing out gospel tracts, by going to church, by doing ministry. In essence, I was chasing after the victory instead of living from the victory. You see what I'm saying? So now when I read the Word of God, I'm not reading the Word of God to feel righteous or to feel holy. I'm reading the Word of God just to enjoy what Daddy has to say and to find out that the very, the very themes on my heart are the very themes that are on God's heart and that we're to get, that, that's Christ in us. It's one. Hebrews 8.13 says, and it says, In that he saith a new covenant, he that made the first old, now that which, that which is old decayeth, waxeth old, and is ready to vanish away. The old system is outdated and has been replaced. Talking about the system of law. That old system is outdated. And it's been replaced by the new system of Christ in us. Hebrews 10.1 says, And the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Now, by the way, all these verses from Hebrew, Buddy has been going over these things in converse, uh, 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 it's, I'm sorry, the simple gospel. And there's so much power and so much truth in these very verses. But let me say this. You'll never see proper image of God by law itself. You've got to understand that. You'll never see a proper image of God. So, well, let, let me give you a good example. Because the, the, the commandments of God cannot, cannot fully give you a proper image of God. Just take, for example, thou shalt not kill. Just because I don't kill you doesn't mean I'm loving you, is it? I love them so much. I love them so much. I put my gun on safety. Amen. <laughs> Click. You better thank God for the commandment. If it wasn't for the commandment, see, Jesus came. and Because what did Jesus do? Jesus came and he shed light on what the very character and nature of God is. It wasn't just not killing people in the name of God. It was loving people in the name of Christ. And spreading that love. Colossians 2, 16, 17 says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. We were taught so much for years into judging another Christian by the things that they did do and the things that they didn't do. Well, they don't, you know, they don't go to church on Wednesday nights. Matter of fact, they don't even have a midweek service. <gasps> they don't even have a Sunday night service, Brother Justin. They obviously are not serious about God. <laughs> I, mean, I say this, but I'm telling you, man. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a crazy world. But what Paul was saying here is that, look, that's not what we're about. Now, the purpose of the Old Testament was to, was to foretell the coming of the new and we are going to use the you're, and, and you we use the new covenant as the key to unlock the old covenant meanings. And the best way I like to describe this is, you know, when I go to my mom's house, 
you know, she has a coffee table. Does any of your mom's house have coffee tables? You know what I mean? Anybody have a coffee? Come on now. It's, it's a simple question. You can answer that question. Yes. <laughs> coffee tables. Yes, you have coffee tables. And if your mom don't have one, she needs to get one. You know, I'm just kidding. I don't care. We won't fellowship if she don't. You know, I draw the line somewhere, and no, I'm just kidding. So, but on my mom's coffee table, underneath, on, on, usually on the bottom, she has those old family albums. You know what I mean? Anybody seen, you know, family albums are so interesting because you, you know, you, you, you get them out and you start opening them things up and, man, just the memories start flood, flooding your mind. You know, oh, yeah, there's Uncle so-and-so and Aunt so-and-so. And, hey, who is that person? And some people, you don't even know who they are. I was telling, I was telling the story when I, when I talked about me getting engaged. And some of y'all were here when I heard that story. But just to kind of summarize it, I, I dressed up like a gorilla and was going to surprise my wife at, at a zoo. And, and my plan went awry, and I had to deviate from the plan. So I got dressed as the gorilla and I walked out and was going to try to find my wife. Little did I know, if you, if you dress like a gorilla and you're in a zoo, a line will automatically form and people want to take pictures with you. Now, I wasn't there for that. I was there to get engaged. But little did I know, there was 10 people in line waiting to get their line. You know, so I just kind of went with it. You know what I mean? So right now, in somebody's family album... There's a picture of me dressed as a gorilla there trying to get engaged. It's a whole nother story. But, you know, you get those family, you get that album out and you start going through, you know, and you start looking at those different pictures. And, and it's funny because you, you'll get to some of those parts where you're in, you're in the picture but you're not in the picture, needless to say. You know, it's uncle so-and-so and aunt so-and-so, and you might be out to the side, you know what I mean, in a diaper running out to the side. Or you might be in the background. And you're not in the forefront of the picture, but you're in the picture nonetheless. And when you get into the Old Testament, and you get the lens of the New Covenant, and you start looking back, you find that Jesus may not be in the forefront but he's in the picture. He's there. He is the tree of, of life. He is the ark. He is the door. And how do you see that? Because you go to the new covenant and you soak up all these, this truth and this, this, this paradigm-shifting truth and you get back into the old covenant and you see it comes to life. You know, I was kind of discouraged for a while in my Christianity because going to Bible college and ministering and just grinding at the mill, I thought, man, you know, it's, is there more to this? And why? The Holy Spirit says, oh, yeah, there's a whole lot more than what you think. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your wonderful truth. And Father, I just pray, Lord, may those around us, those in this room, Lord, just, just, Lord, we, we just thank you for your kingdom. Lord, these truths are, are what fuels us. Your spirit is so lovingly reminding us. And Lord, may we abandon the urge to find hope on social media.
to find hope on the news. May we understand that hope is a person. And Lord, may our cups be filled. Filled to overflowing that we can go and just overflow love. Overflow forgiveness. Overflow mercy. Overflow truth. Overflow onto those around us. Even unintentionally, may we be at a place of overflow to be able to love and to do according to your good pleasure. And we thank you so much for all that you do in us, and we also thank you for what you're going to do through us. In Jesus' name, amen.